Well, if you have a Bible or if you want to turn across the page, uh, simply to page 5, I'm going to read for us from John's Gospel this morning, John chapter 15. Uh, Like I said, this morning's sermon is going to be based on those words from the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, I came across this book last week, The Only Comfort in Life and Death, and uh, the publishers were doing a special offer, so I promptly ordered 50 copies on Monday morning, and I think I told you all, all through the week, you're getting a free book at church, and they haven't arrived. Uh, So I'm afraid no free book this morning. They should be here by next Sunday, uh, but it's not essential uh, for listening this morning and hearing hearing God's word. Let me read. I'm just going to read the first passage for now, and we'll read the second one uh, later on in our service. Let's hear God's word. John chapter 15, and reading from verse 1. The Lord Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Amen. Well, this book that you would have had to take away this morning, let me read you a paragraph from it. There is a well-known story of a traveler in the Middle Ages who arrived at a village, and he met three laborers working in a quarry. He spoke with each of them about their daily work. What are you doing? He asked them. I'm breaking rocks, the first workman replied. The second man responded, I am earning for my family. But the third laborer stood tall, and with a glint in his eye, he responded, I am building a cathedral. Three men, all doing the same work, and only one of them with a grand vision of what he's doing. Wouldn't you love that today, 1st of August, 2021? For you, a grand vision of life a beautiful project to be part of so that you can take your ordinary, everyday, mundane moments, all the humdrum ordinariness of life, and fold it into a great vision of what you're here for. What I want want to do this morning in simply a one-off sermon is simply to try and do that. I want to show you where those beautiful words that we've said together in the Heidelberg Catechism come from in the Bible. That the man centuries ago who wrote those words had seen something so glorious in the Scriptures. And he put down those two question and answers that, uh, that we said together. I thought of this sermon last Sunday with Will's illustration. Will was preaching last Sunday and he said, you remember, he said, when he married Mary... She got his student debt 
and he got her car. Remember? And I thought, that's it. That's what I want to preach about today. I want to preach about union with Christ, belonging to Jesus, him taking what is mine and me getting what is his. So what does it mean to belong to Jesus? That, that is what union with Christ is. So if ever you hear people talk about union with Christ, if it sounds a bit strange, a bit abstract, simply change that word union to belonging. Do you see it in, in the question and answer? I am not my own, but I am united. I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You and I belong to Jesus in his sufferings. We're united to him in them. His sufferings belong to us. We belong to Jesus in his death. We belong to Jesus in his glory. And here is the wonder this morning, friends. Here is the wonder. Because we belong to him, all of those things that are his belong to us. They become ours. Listen listen to Robert Murray McShane writing to a friend with this advice. Here's what he said. Learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely. Such infinite majesty and yet such meekness and grace and all for sinners, even for the chief of sinners. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams. Feel his all-seeing eyes settled on you in love and rest in his almighty arms. Let your soul be filled with a heart-ravishing sense of the sweetness and excellency of Christ and all that is in him. We don't write letters anymore, do we? Hardly at all. But imagine getting a letter like that. Somebody writing to you, describing Christ in all his beauty, the sweetness and excellency of Jesus. The sweetness and excellency of the Lord Jesus. Friends, that is the grand story of the whole Bible this morning to pick our little lives up and to hide our lives in that story. And so as we begin, I I want us just simply to stop and stare this morning at three reasons why belonging to Jesus is so comforting. Isn't that an an astonishing line, the the question in question one of the catechism? What is your only comfort? Your only comfort in life and death. So I want us to stare at it. Three reasons. I want us to grasp the scale of our union to Christ. I want us, secondly, to see the beauty of it. And then I want us to feel the closeness of it. Just how big a thing are we talking about here? How does the the Bible describe it? Just how close are you really to Jesus? How close really? And so here's the first thing. You'll see on pages six and seven, I've tried to outline it a little bit. You can follow along. Here's the first one. Grasp grasp the scale of belonging to Jesus. See, union with Christ, it might be the greatest doctrine that you hardly ever hear about. We talk about other doctrines, don't we? The doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the church, but union with Christ? 
I think the reason that you, you maybe go through a lot of church life not hearing about it or talking about it is not because it is nowhere to be found in the Bible, but the opposite. It's because it is everywhere in the Bible. Now, if you are an Aberdeen uh, regular, you born and bred in Aberdeen, how much granite did you notice this morning coming to church? Probably not much, did you? You notice that if you're brand new, it's one of the first things you spot off the train. Everything is gray, but you live here 20 years and you don't see it. But it, it's not because it's not there. It's because you're so used to it. Union with Christ is all over the pages of the Bible like granite. We hardly even notice it. So you th- think of some of the ways that we talk about the Lord Jesus. We talk about being saved by Jesus, don't we? Trying to live like Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus. How often do we think about being in Jesus, in him? We are so united to him that we are in him. What does that even mean? And yet, friends, that is the main way the Bible talks about us and Jesus. It uses in much more than by or like or with. Did you know that the Apostle Paul never once uses the word Christian? Never once uses the word Christian to describe you and me. He never describes anybody as being a Christian. Rather, over 200 times, he talks about us being in Christ, or in the Lord, or in him. We are found in Christ, Philippians chapter 3. We are preserved in Christ, Romans 8. We walk in Christ, Colossians 2. We labor in Christ. We obey in Christ. We die in Christ, Revelation 14. We saw that in the book of Revelation, didn't didn't we? We die in Christ. We live in Christ. We conquer in Christ. Those are just 10 examples I picked from over 200 times. In the New Testament, Paul says we are in Christ. But listen, a long list of passages, that's not really what I mean by grasping the scale of union with Christ. But by scale, I don't mean a long list of passages. No, I mean an enormous perspective on your life right here and now. So look at the sermon outline on page six. I've listed three more passages, but notice this time how these three passages tell a story, don't they? Do you see it? You were chosen in Christ before the world began. Okay, way back before time, before the world began, chosen in Christ. Then in our lifetime, these 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it is God gives us, saved in Christ. And then stretching ahead of us, end of the story, forever glorified in Christ. You see it? Five years old or 30 years old, here is the story that marks your life if you belong to the Lord Jesus. Chosen in him, saved in him, and you will be glorified in him forever. Do you see the story that union with Christ is telling? Your past, your present, your future, you belong to the Lord Jesus in all of it. All of it is in his hands. And you are in him. 
You were loved yesterday, and you were loved even before there was a yesterday. You belong to him today, and you will belong to him tomorrow. I was thinking about this as I was writing it. Is there, is there a better feeling in all the world than belonging? It's kind of hard. We don't think about the feeling of belonging, but we all know what it means, don't we? Th- think of the opposite of belonging. What, what, what's the opposite? Detached, disassociated, isolated, separate, cut adrift. That, that is not you this morning if you belong to Christ. However you feel, whoever you think you are, whatever it is you think you've lost, and all the great stories that fill our cinema screens and fill your, your bookshelves at homes, they are all about belonging, aren't they? Toy Story, it's all about belonging. What does he have written on uh, the cowboy under his boot? Andy. Who he belongs to, Woody, he's his. There is nothing greater or sweeter or more comforting or more encouraging that anybody can give you in this pandemic. Nothing more comforting than telling you today that you belong to Jesus. You belong to him. That is wonderful, isn't it? But it is even greater and even sweeter and even more comforting and even more encouraging when you see the scale of it. For if you belong to him today, friends, do you know you were in him before the world began? Can you imagine that? You were in him before the world began so that every single day of this life you are known to him. Every hair of your head is numbered and you will belong to him when time is no more. The world has been and gone and God rolls up the heavens like a scroll. You will be safe forever because you are in him. How how do we even begin to get our heads around this? Uh, Here's an illustration. I know I've told you about this before. A family illustration. One of the traditions, I don't quite know how it developed in our family. On the kids' birthdays is that we get out the photo album. And our tradition is that we lay out the photo album in our living room with the gifts for each child on their birthday. And however they're excited about getting whatever the latest thing it is uh, to unwrap, and it's all they want to do, isn't it? Run, Run to the presents. Our tradition is, no, we start with the photo album. We go right back to the beginning. The photo album of when they were a baby. And here's the thing we discovered. They love seeing themselves before they knew themselves. They they love hearing now about things that they weren't able to hear about then. You know, we look at the, that's when we nearly dropped you and that's when we did drop you. And that's when, you know, we were so tired, we didn't know what day of the week it was. They, They love knowing about the times when they were present to us, but it was before they could understand. Do you know why I think they love it? They learn that they were in us, in our family, long before they even knew they were. In a lovely, simple way, they are learning that they were loved even while they had no knowledge of being loved. You, you look at photos like that, don't you? And the photo is a picture of love, love that they didn't even know existed, but it was real and wrapped around them in strength. Do you know how much the Father loves you? Do you know how strong God's love for you is this morning? 
He put you in Jesus, friends, not at the start of the world. Now, that's amazing enough. Not at the start of the world. Thousands of years before now. No, even before the world began, he called you by name and set his love upon you. And he knew you. And you're worried about 2021? What's going to happen next? Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or before you brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And the doctrine of union with Christ says to us that way back then, way back then, Jesus bound us to him, claimed us and held us. Friends, you belong to Jesus before you belong to your mom and dad or to your husband or wife or children or grandchildren, and you will belong to him long after they are gone. See the scale of belonging to Jesus. Number two, see the beauty of belonging to Jesus. I hope you're seeing the beauty already. It's a beautiful concept, this isn't it? But here's what I mean. When the Bible speaks about union with Christ, it actually only occasionally, very rarely, uses the word union. Or the word united, it hardly, hardly ever uses that word. Instead, it does something else for us. It speaks to us in pictures, beautiful pictures. Now, looking around the room, most of you, there's obviously some people I don't know yet this morning, but looking around the room, most of you at different points have been in your homes over the years. And if you're married, I think in most of your homes, I've seen a picture of you on your wedding day. Full head of hair. Those were the days, weren't they? And in, in, not, in not one single home anywhere have I ever seen hanging on the wall in your living room the framed wedding certificate or the wedding license. And some of you, I've signed them, but I've never yet seen that same certificate again. After the wedding day, it's gone. I never see it framed and hanging in the hallway. Why not? It's important, isn't it? It's, it's the legal declaration of your union. It's the union of Mr. and Mrs. Jones. There it is in black and white. No, I've never been standing there in your house peering at it on the wall. Oh, 1962, what a lovely year 1962 was. Beautiful. What lovely handwriting the registrar had back then. No, no, it's not what we do. What I'm looking at in your living room on the wall is a picture. A beautiful picture, a man and a woman, a husband and wife. There you are in all your finery and joy and happiness. And in that picture, I am seeing the legal union and seeing just something, just something of the beauty of your union. The Bible is just like that. It's it's not a wedding register certificate book. You, You want to know how you belong to Jesus? You want to know what it means? Okay, says God, here's some pictures. John chapter 15, Jesus is the vine and you are the branches. Go back to your garden today if you have one, a branch, a plant somewhere. Look at the central stalk and look at the branches coming off it. That is you and Jesus. How close is that branch to the stem? Where does the branch get all its nourishment from? Jesus is... Like the head, I've listed them here on page 7, just some of the pictures. Jesus is like the head, you are like the body. 
Okay, so imagine chopping off your hand this morning, your feet. How, how close are your limbs to you? Who controls the body and tells it what to do? Jesus is like the cornerstone and you are the building. Who do you build on to build strong and true in life? Jesus is like the elder brother in a family and you are the junior sibling's adoption. You know, that, you know that when you are adopted, you have all the same rights and full legal standing as the natural child. The elder brother and siblings, do you know how close you are to Christ? I don't know if you've seen that with the Olympics. I think it's been one of the surprising upsides of a pandemic Olympics that the families get much more airtime. You notice that? I, I think in a normal Olympics, they would have traveled out. You might have had an interview by the poolside or something, but because the family can't be with their loved ones, it's, it's actually part of the feature of the games to now interview the family after their loved one has won a medal. And you've seen those beautiful scenes this past week, haven't you? Not just of the interview with the family, but the family watching their loved ones, particularly the swimming, I think. And what is there, 50, 60 people sometimes, all cheering with all their might for this loved one to make it to the line. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Because what they are doing in the pool, we're doing. That person is ours. They belong to us. Family is like that, isn't it? What you do, I do. What happens to you brings glory to me and vice versa. Jesus is our elder brother. We are his family. Look at the last one, the groom and the bride. Jesus is like the groom and we are like the, the bride. How close to Jesus do you think you are? I want to suggest this to you this morning, friends. When, when you get to September or October and the, the thrill of uh, eased restrictions has worn off or maybe the fear of eased restrictions begins to set in, when, when you reach those points later in the year where you, you wonder again, if somebody like you, somebody like me, can, Lord, can I really belong to you? Me, you know what I'm like, what I've done. Not like those other people at church. You, you reach that point where you feel like throwing in the towel. Maybe that won't happen for years, but it will come at some point. Some, someday down the line, you reach the point where you think, surely I've blown it and enough is enough. I'm a million miles away from God. Friends, when that day comes, whenever it comes, let me suggest this to you. Open your Bible and read it like a picture book. You don't, don't just read the words, but look at the pictures. It's what God himself does. You know, isn't that how God treats his people through the Old Testament? As the people's hearts grow cold and they wander from him. And the people are in all sorts of trouble. What does he do? He sends the prophets who come to them with pictures. And the, the prophets, it's, it's a lovely way to think about the prophets. Any, any Old Testament prophet that you open, Isaiah, all the way through to the minor prophets, the small prophets, imagine the prophet is standing there with a photo album. That's all he's doing to the people. Ah, yes, he says to the people, look, do you remember this photo album? That, that's Egypt when you were slaves. But let's have a look. What did God do to you when you were slaves? Let's look at the pictures. Do you remember the pillars of fire and the cloud? And do you remember the eagle's wings that I put you on and brought you to me? Friends, turn to Ezekiel 16 sometime. 
and see the picture, the photo album that the prophet is laying out to God's people. Have you forgotten? This is, the, this is the photo where you were a tiny baby lying at the roadside, kicking in your own blood and afterbirth. And I came and got you and I washed you. And I clothed you and I raised you and I married you to myself. Don't you remember how I loved you? Brothers and sisters today, I would love it if these images here on page seven, the Bible is full of them. I would love it if these images of your union with Christ become your treasured picture book that you hang in your heart and come back to again and again so that you never lose sight of just how much you belong to Jesus. Now here's what it might look like to just stare at one of those pictures a little bit a little bit more. Let's close with this. Let's just take one of the pictures on page seven, the last one, and look at it a little. Let's take the picture of God marrying him to us in Jesus, the groom and the bride. You know, Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan theologian, he said that the the reason for the world was a wedding. The reason for the world was a wedding. I don't know if you've been at a wedding Recently, we've had the joy of a couple, haven't we, in Trinity? Some of you have been off to other weddings. Is there anything more wonderful than a wedding of siblings, of loved ones, of family members, of close friends, where everything is right? It's a glorious, glorious picture, isn't it? God's delight in his son, the Lord Jesus, was so great, so deep, that that love for his son overflowed into making a world so that his son would have a bride to marry. The whole point of our universe is union with Christ. So here's where we're going to finish. The third point, feel the closeness of belonging to Jesus. We're going to do that by reading this other passage, Ephesians chapter 5. So just turn back to it. Uh, wherever you have it, in the order of service or in your Bible. I'm going to read Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. That last verse on your page that's printed there, verse 32, isn't that astonishing? That that one flesh union that happens between a man and a woman and a husband and wife 
Paul is saying that union is an illustration of the union that Jesus has with his people. Isn't that that amazing? From start to end, the Bible uses marriage as a picture, an image, an illustration of what it means to be in relationship with God. And so you see, that means it's, it's our human marriages that are the illustration. We are the illustration of the real marriage. His marriage to us is the real one, the true one. We are many copies of it. Have you ever thought of that if you're married? If if you have a a DVD of your wedding day or, I don't know, back to VHS, Betamax, whatever it is, uh, you, you, you could add that to your wedding DVD, couldn't you, on the title page. This marriage is based on a true story. And the true story, the real romance, the ultimate drama, the the greatest love story ever told is this, that people covered in shame and reproach were chosen and washed and cleansed by the most beautiful groom the world has ever seen. Made radiant, betrothed to him. Do you notice how in this passage everything Paul says depends for its meaning on the closest of unions, not just between a husband and wife, notice, but the closest of unions between a man and his own body. Look at verse 28 again. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. See Paul's illustration? If you get a man up here, Okay, I'm not going to ask anyone to do it, but get a man to come up here and somehow we ask the man's body to speak about the man. What, what would the body say? Oh, Jim is wonderful. Jim treats me like the best body in the world. Every day he feeds me three times a day, sometimes four or five. Every single day he cares for me. He washes me. He dresses me. Do you know the thing I've noticed about Jim? He never, ever tries to get out of the house to get away from me. He puts me to bed when I'm tired. He knows when I've had enough. Jim takes me to the doctor when I've got man flu. He is always, always, always thinking about me. You see what Paul is saying? That that same treatment of a man of his own body, Paul now turns on every married man and every man who ever wants to be married and says, that woman that you are married to must now feel as nourished and cared for by you as your own body feels by you. For, verse 29, that is just how Christ loves his people. It's an astonishing picture. I don't know how you're feeling today, being here. Hungry, uncared for. Jesus will feed and care for you. For you are his body. And friends, you are in the best of marriages. And he is the best of bridegrooms. Talking about marriage in a church family is always difficult, isn't it? It is so easy to be fooled, isn't it, by the happy, smiling, married faces you see here week by week. And every single one of them hides, doesn't it, a multitude of 
rows and tears and a permanent lifelong awareness that we are stained by sin and that we need to be washed and cleansed, that we're blemished and we need to be made holy and blameless. And all marriages, all marriages, the best of them and the worst of them, our oh-so-common unions and our blissful unions, they are all very broken, very incomplete forms of belonging, aren't there? For we leave one another, we bereave one another, we anger one another, we separate from one another. Look what Paul is saying in this passage, there is no belonging like belonging to the Lord Jesus. He, he never belittles. He never neglects. He never forgets. He never puts his own interests first. He never forsakes. He never abandons. And so, friends, today it is a beautiful treasure that we're going to share communion together, bread and wine. The Savior who gave himself for us, what does Ephesians 5 say? To wash us and cleanse us. Do you see it? How close is the Lord Jesus to you? He is as close, friends, as this bread and as this wine will be in a few moments inside your own body. That is what communion means. As close as this food and this liquid, what is about to, ha- about to happen? It's going to be united to you, part of you. Communion is here to show us that we share in Jesus in just the same way. Brothers and sisters, learn much of the Lord Jesus. For every look at yourself, take 10 looks at Christ. He is altogether lovely, such infinite majesty, and yet such meekness and grace, and all for sinners, even the chief. Live much in the smiles of God. Bask in his beams, feel his all-seeing eyes settled on you in love, and rest in his almighty arms. Let your soul be filled with a heart-ravishing sense of the sweetness and excellency of Christ and all that is in him. Amen.